In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Just a little bit about the calendar of the church. Today is the fourth Sunday of the month of Hatur. And so next Sunday will be the first Sunday of the month of Kiyak. And actually we see we see that the, the our mother the church is preparing us, you know, of course during uh, the time leading up to the Feast of the Nativity, we fast, we're fasting. And so the readings that are before the Sunday, before Kiyak begins, are actually about the the spiritual aspects that we should be practicing during fasting. So like for example, when we begin Lent, there is uh, we, we read about um, fasting and prayer and almsgiving. And actually, our Mother of the Church also puts uh, readings about fasting and prayer and almsgiving today. So like for example, <coughs> last night in Vespers, we, talk, we, we saw our Lord Jesus Christ cast out a demon that the disciples couldn't cast out. And then when they asked him why couldn't we cast out the demon, they said he said that this kind can't come out except by prayer and fasting. And then today, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to the young rich ruler, and he's talking to him primarily about money. Okay, so he's talking about basically almsgiving or, or giving of themselves. So when this ruler came, he was somebody who cared very much for the kingdom of God, cared very much about his spiritual life. You know, he asks a question that is, you would wish, you would want to have people ask this question, you know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And then he, our Lord Jesus Christ tells him, you know, keep the commandments. And he said, I've done this, I've done this since, since I was a kid. And actually, according to this, as, as far as being a good Jewish person, you know, he's doing everything perfectly right. But our Lord Jesus Christ told him, one thing you lack, Go, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Our tendency sometimes is to take what our Lord Jesus Christ said to the rich young ruler, and to apply it across the board. Like for example, in order for me to be faithful, I have to have a big garage sale, get rid of everything I own, and give my proceeds to everybody in need, and then I can be a true disciple of God. You know, we have the very famous example of St. Anthony who actually did just that, right? He heard this gospel and he sold all of his possessions and he went into the, monast uh, into, the, into the desert and began the monastic life. I don't think that's necessarily what our Lord Jesus Christ had in mind, though I don't doubt that is what he said to the rich young ruler. Because when our Lord Jesus Christ looked into the heart of the rich young ruler, he saw that there is an obstacle between him and God. There is an obstacle between the rich young ruler and God. In other words, there could have been any number of things that were keeping this person away from God. He could have been addicted to his work. He could have been addicted to some sort of substance. He could have been compulsive in his gambling. He could have had an anger problem. He could have been hung up on the media or watching TV or keeping up with the news. Whatever our Lord Jesus Christ was addressing in that part of his life was the thing that stood between him and God and which in this person's case was money. So in, in that sort of sense, the, the, the events of the, today's gospel illustrates our tendency to maybe sometimes compartmentalize, to put God into a box, to go, for example, to attend or teach Sunday school, to go to church Sunday morning, and then to go about our business the rest of the week. 
You know, it's like when you uh, when you have when people go when I come go to visitation and you have a little kid who come and say me say to me like, oh, let me show you my Bible, and they go and they get it from like the top of the closet, and it's like they have to pull the dust off of it, and be like, this is my Bible. And, and, and so, like, I, I put it sort of in this place, far away from my actual life, right? It's, it's not really ingrained into my life, it's just this place where I, I, I set, set aside, so that I can have, like, this is the spiritual aspect of, of my, my house, or my room, or whatever. We tend to compartmentalize, this is religious, this is secular. We divvy up our time, this belongs to me, this belongs to God. We divvy up not only our time, but our talents and our treasure in such a way that we give God a portion. And actually sometimes we can be very generous in giving God a big portion, but then we say the rest of it is ours to do with, whatever, whatever, to do with it whatever we please. And that's the essence of the story of the rich young ruler. I'll keep the commandments. The ruler is saying, I'll keep the commandments of God. I've kept them all from my youth, but leave my money alone. And our Lord Jesus Christ, He looked at His heart and He said, one thing you lack, go and sell what you have, give to the poor and come and follow me. If you were to meet Christ today, and he said you lacked one thing in order to be faithful, what would that thing be? Would it be, for example, your talent? Right? How many people have you know, good voices or are or, or, or talented in, in hymns or in talented in, in many other things and they refuse to, to, to serve? What about in my ability? Lots of people could have gifts for teaching or writing and they don't want to use their talents for God. What about maybe even my personality? I could have, I could be a charismatic person, someone who could be bringing people to Christ, someone who could be welcoming others, who can invite others to church and I'm refusing to do that. The truth is, everything we have belongs to God. All that we have and all that we are. It's God's, not ours. We're stewards, not owners. Our job is to manage faithfully what God has entrusted to us and to use it to the fullest to glorify God and serve the common good. Actually, we see that uh, reiterated in the, the Pauline epistle today. He says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So if I'm a steward, my job is to be faithful. And then later in, in the same reading, he says, for, what, for who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? Now if indeed you received it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Again, our mother, the church, is reminding us everything we have is given to us by God. Everything belongs to God. The story of the rich young ruler is not only about money, it's about faithful stewardship of our time, our talent, our treasure. But the truth is, since it's at least partially about money, I think that deserves to be mentioned as well. First, you know, when it comes to my money, I, I, I can't take it with me. Actually, just, uh, we prayed a funeral just two days ago. And obviously they have a funeral, they have a hearse, and they follow the hearse to the, to the cemetery. You never see at the back of the hearse, like a trailer hitched to the hearse with all the things belonging to the person. Right? Nobody takes anything. You can't take it with you. Even if you could, it has no use for you. That's the first point that you need to understand. There's nothing for me that I'm able to take into eternal life. The second thing is, the only treasures that I can take, the only ones that I get to keep, are the ones actually that I give away. When I give with a generous spirit, when I give receiving nothing in return, except the joy of giving, then my gift becomes a lasting asset. 
treasure in heaven that cannot be taken away from you, like is mentioned in the gospel that we read in the midnight prayer. You know, when you think about, again, thinking about sort of like a funeral, at the time of, of someone's death, if you're at the funeral or if you're at a wake or anything like that, no one really talks about how much money the person made or what kind of suits they wore or the kind of car they drove or what kind of house they had. They talk about the things that they did, right? This person helped me pay my way through college. This person gave me a job when I was down and out. This person helped me when I was sick. This person was there for me when I needed them. The only treasures you get to keep, as I said, are the ones I give away. So that's the second point. The only things that I get to keep are the ones that I give away. And the third thing is the best way to gauge if I am like the rich young new ruler, if money has a hold of me, is tithing. Taking 10% of my income and giving it as offering to God. Just so I can be clear, when we're talking about tithing, this means 10% of my income going to God, to the church that serves me. That's my duty in front of God. This is in addition to almsgiving, which is money that I give to the poor or to those in need. And as in addition to offerings, like when, I, when we pray the litany of the offerings, the litany of the oblation, we're asking God to bless those who offered, who gave offerings, who, who give gifts given to support the ministry of the church. Those are three separate things, tithing, almsgiving, and offerings. And Malachi is a very famous verse in Malachi talking about tithing. He's saying, do not rob God. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. God speaks to them in terms of stealing, that they are stealing something that belongs to Him. Again, if we remember the passages that we read this morning in the, in the epistle to the Corinthians from St. Paul, he's saying it's required that we be found faithful if we are stewards. And also, everything that we have, it's because we have been given to us. That's why God can say to them, you're stealing from me, because essentially it's mine. This is what he's talking about when he's talking about tithing. In speaking about offerings, in the Old Testament we have an example in the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus, when they were preparing the things for the temple. It says in Exodus 35, And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets and all jewels of gold. And every man that offered offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. So you see, an offering is different. Offering is coming from my heart. I want to give something to God in, in, uh, to, to, to assist in the ministry of worship. That's what the people were doing in the Old Testament. And then finally, when we talk about almsgiving, which is usually a big focus, especially when we begin a fast, he says in Deuteronomy, If there be among you a poor man of one of your brethren within any of your gates in your land, which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not harden your heart nor shall you shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide unto him, and shall surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wants. So God is asking us, or showing us three ways in which we can show him that money is not sovereign over us, but rather God is the one who is sovereign over us. 
those of us who are, are tithing can discover a, a great joy in giving and a greater abundance of real wealth than ever before. Tithing is a healthy discipline, systematic, consistent, proportionate to my income. It reminds me that God is responsible for everything that I have. When I give of my tithe, it makes me that much more for what's remaining. Plus, tithing holds me accountable. When I specify 10%, it takes out sort of wiggle room and keeps me from rationalizing and pretending I'm giving more than I actually am. Well, you know, this person on the street, I saw him and I gave him $5 the other day, you know, plus the other $5 that my friend asked me to borrow and I give it to him, you know, so I'm doing pretty good. Most importantly, tithing puts God first. Actually, a good spiritual discipline when I'm tithing is to give this money first. Not just with what's left over of me at the end of my month or the end of my week or whatever, but to give first. It's a concrete and tangible way of respecting that God is sovereign over me, over my life and trusting in this. And by putting God first, God's going to provide for your needs. Actually, that's what most people discover when they tithe. Rather than not having enough money, they actually have more than what they need. God is blessing them. It's kind of like the story of the five loaves and two fish. When the, when the boy gave up his food, gave up his five loaves and two fish, which was just good enough, you know, just barely to, fit, to, to feed him. When he was willing to give it up, he gave it to God. Our Lord Jesus Christ able to feed the multitude and the little boy got all that he wanted in addition. And actually that, that reminds me back of the, the, the verses that I read in Malachi. There's a verse right after the verses I read. It says... The per now, so God was saying, you know, you, you robbed me of my tithe. And He said, try me in this. If you, if you, if you tithe, and I will fill your storehouses. Listen to what He says in the verse right after. He says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. How many times do we find ourselves with unexpected expenses, things coming up out of nowhere? Actually, God is promising here, I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I'm going to guard what you keep for yourself if you give to me first, if you are willing to put your faith in me first. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Your vine will not cast before the time of the field, says the Lord of hosts. So the best way for us to gauge money's hold on us, to compare ourselves to the rich young ruler, is by tithing. Good stewardship requires more than just you know pitching some loose change to somebody on my way to a fancy restaurant. Good stewardship requires commitment, requires devotion, requires sacrifice. And again, like I mentioned in the beginning, why did our Lord Jesus Christ talk to this man about money? Not because he is so obsessed with money, Christ, but actually because it was the one thing keeping him from God. So a good another question to ask ourselves this morning, what is the one thing that I lack? What is the one thing keeping me, separating me from God? And do I have, or can I ask God for the strength, the power, the courage, the perseverance to get rid of this thing in order to obtain the true, the true treasure, which is God Himself, and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.